Hey, Will, like I normally do, I just want to take a moment to tell our listeners to make sure they hit us up on social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you might see us. Make sure you're sending us something. Also, you can email us directly at AppalachiaMeetsWorld at gmail.com. If you get a moment, shoot us a line, give us some feedback. Yeah, and wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to Appalachia Meets World. It just helps our podcast, but it also helps you know when we're releasing a new episode. Being a part of West Virginia has kind of just made me who I am. I feel like it's really made me a stronger individual. It's made me fight for a whole lot more and speak out and stand up for myself any chance that I can. Appalachia Meets World, a podcast about place and perspective, but always Appalachian. And don't forget, Will, tonight's episode is powered by SOAR. Shaping our Appalachian region. If you're an entrepreneur out there, especially in Eastern Kentucky, check them out. Appalachia Meets World, we're back. It's Will. And Neil, what's up, my man? Hey, what's going on? Another week? Yes, sir. Another week in the books. Some great guests coming on our shows lately. So I think last week was a hit. Everybody enjoyed enjoyed that. And uh, they're going to enjoy this too. Yeah, I think so too. Before before we get into that, did you see the Oscars? Oscar nominations, Neil? You know I didn't, but I've been looking <laughs> forward to talking to you about it. You know, I watched them. I was going to see if old, and I don't even know if he's eligible, but old Yancey Burns to see if Imagining the Indian yeah, uh, I told you. was nominated. I told you. I, I told I you that, that that's that's the only time I'm going to watch if if Yancey makes it. <laughs> well, I don't I don't technically know if he's eligible this year or next. I don't know how that works. You know, he said yeah. he was doing a theatrical run to have the potential to be in the Oscars, so that might not be till next year. I don't know how it works. Yeah, yeah, right. But maybe next year I'll watch. You know, they increased the categories for Best Picture to ten, basically, so they Ooh. don't piss anybody off. You know, right? So, so they, they don't make have- anybody mad. So they can have four more pictures that I've never heard of. <laughs> well, it did get your boy into the category. Top Gun is one. Oh, great. I don't know if Tom Cruise is your boy, but I know you like no, Top Gun. Really. He did not get nominated for anything. None of the actors got nominated. They basically said commercially, uh, this movie, everyone likes it, so we'll put it, but the acting is terrible. Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming that's what they were saying. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with that, honestly, but <laughs> I still liked it. <laughs> what else is up? Oh, you're not going to tell me who, who all else was nominated? I mean, oh, you're just gonna... best picture? Yeah. Yeah. You, you want to know. Yeah. So All Quiet on the Western Front. I know you've not so, heard of that. No. I was getting to say, is that, is that what? Was that the, is that the name of it? <laughs> that's the name of it okay. avatar we already went over this you yeah. have never seen the first one you haven't seen the second one but you have heard of it yeah not real this is your one of your one of your top picks the banshees of inishirin oh yeah yeah elvis fellow appalachian uh-huh uh-huh you do remember the name of elvis right the movie yes yes elvis Yes. Right, right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Everything, everywhere, all at once. I feel like we talked about all these, Will. We did. They were the Golden Globes. You know, right. the Golden Globes yes. to the Oscars. See, this is kind yeah. of repetitive. So, it's kind so of repetitive. Stupid. How so stupid is that? <laughs> How dumb them. is that? 
that they have multiple award shows? Yeah, it's like in sports when you have the player of the year, and now we're going to have the player of the year, and now we're going to have the player of the year. Stupid. <laughs> yeah. Stupid. Well, it's different people that vote. Anyway, it's the Fablemans, it's Tar, it's Triangles of Sadness, Women Talking, and Top Gun. What, what percentage chance do you give that Top Gun wins? Um, zero. Based on what I know about their history, I mean, there's zero chance Top Gun wins. But I, I mean, if I was voting and it was going based on me, then of course they would have a really good chance. <laughs> yeah. Remember the Banshees, uh, only on name alone. I've never even seen it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, that's enough of pictures, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. Who cares? But getting back into pictures. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> and app news i wanted to mention this incredible app news that obviously we knew about it one of our previous guests elaine mcmillian sheldon yeah uh, remember her oh yeah absolutely yeah she's down in knoxville now university of tennessee yes well remember when we were talking to her she was in the process i don't think they had started filming yet in the process of thinking about uh, producing King Cole. Remember talking about that documentary? I do, yeah. Well, now it is out, and it's at the Sundance Film Festival. Wow, and that was fast. <laughs> said she worked on it, actual filming, for a year. Uh, so she has wow. been working on it. It has been a while since we had her on. She was one of our uh, first guests, but yeah. it's getting some buzz, and I'm excited to see it when when we actually can, but uh, I did read a little bit about it. it, it it's a full-length movie. I think it's part fiction, part storytelling, but it's all about how King Cole has dominated the region. And it, and it's more, <clears throat> I won't say fairy tale, but I think that she calls it some magic as well it is in it. So I know it's about these two little girls in a town that is dominated by Cole. And so they go through the process of showing the dominance of coal. And in the end, I know I read that they have like a funeral for coal. And I think the yeah. last line of the, of the movie before it fades to black is a voiceover, maybe from Sheldon herself. And it says, if you're hearing this, seeing this, know that this place knows how to dream. And then it fades to black. I thought that was a pretty cool quote to talk about, you know, the region that has been dominated by coal, but just because it's been a present presence and it's a big part of our history doesn't mean that we still can't dream. Yeah, that's cool. I can't wait to see that, Will. Actually, I mean, that sounds like something I, w I would watch. I'm excited just to see what it's all about. You don't know when it comes out? I don't know. There is a small clip on YouTube and we'll put it in the show notes. It's got her talking about it. Awesome. I mean, I know our guest tonight could be considered app news, and uh, that's probably uh, that's probably a great segue into who we're having on the show tonight. Because I'm really looking forward to talking to to this guest and learning more about her and all of her accomplishments and really her platform. Definitely, we we kind of transitioned from Elaine McMillian Sheldon, a strong woman from West Virginia, right into another strong woman on this episode. Yeah, another strong woman from West Virginia, Will, Miss West Virginia, Elizabeth Lynch. I'm excited to have her on the show, not necessarily to talk about her accolades. She won 
Miss West Virginia. And she just recently finished third runner-up representing West Virginia in Miss America. I mean, I think that our audience knows that we don't know a whole lot about beauty pageants, although we have attended several. I would think they would know that we're not going to talk a whole lot about her accolades, but we are going to talk a whole lot about her platform and what she's used that stage to to sort of, I guess, get the word out on. So I'm really intrigued to, to get her on here. Yeah, just like Elaine McMillian Sheldon uses her platform to talk about West Virginia, to praise West Virginia, to talk about the challenges, but it also show West Virginia in a new light. I feel like that was an awesome aspect of Miss Lynch's platform around agriculture and how important it is and how important it is to West Virginia and how important it is to the country. And she focused on that as her national platform. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't want to ruin it. So that's all I'm going to say about it until until we get her on. So if you don't mind, let's head that direction. All right, let's go. On the show today, we have a special guest, Miss Elizabeth Lynch. She is a native West Virginian and has her master's in food and nutritional sciences from West Virginia University with a focus on applied poultry nutrition and feed manufacturing. She's also currently applying to get her PhD in the fall in parasitology. But why we really had her on the show, she's the current 2022 Miss West Virginia and was recently the third runner-up in the 2023 Miss America pageant. So Elizabeth, thank you so much for taking the time. We know you're busy, but we appreciate you being here. Well, thank you so much for asking me to be here. I appreciate all you guys are doing. Thanks. One question that we wanted to start with. Uh, we the like most important question. <laughs> Very important. As Appalachians are big on history, big on tradition, our family's big on tradition as well. One of the traditions we have, we have appetizers at the holidays. We usually have this gigantic spread of appetizers, bigger than the actual meal. So we wanted to ask you, do you have a favorite appetizer or just holiday dish? Oh, I don't know about appetizer, but holiday side dish, I guess. Um, so my great, great grandmother had a recipe for bread. And she actually passed down that recipe to my great grandmother, who passed it down to my grandmother, who passed it down to my mom. And now all of my grandmother's grandchildren know how to make their own yeast rolls. And we awesome. take it as a family event every year and we all get together before Thanksgiving and Christmas and we make our own yeast rolls before dinner starts. That is I love that. I, I hope you don't have any any uh, relatives that are no carbs for the holidays, but uh, <laughs> not in our house, not in our family at all. We eat all the time. <laughs> it's good to hear. Good to hear. Thank you for that. Now that we have that question out of the way, we, we want to dive right in. Um, what does it mean to be Miss West Virginia or what are your duties? What, what does it entail to be Miss West Virginia? So we say all the time that Miss West Virginia or any sort of title holder is a job because it really is a job. You are working at this every single day, whether that's working on yourself, working on your interview skills or your competition skills or being out in the community and actually serving your state. Um, so for me, what that looks like is I travel all over West Virginia and I talk to 
people of all ages from the ages of five to 85 about agriculture in America. Um, and for me, that's always been huge, huge. I started working in the ag industry at five years old. So working, but learning, but it's, that's really carried with labor. my entire child labor. Yeah, no. Um, but I actually started riding horses when I was five. And then I started raising pigs when I was nine years old through 4-H and FFA. But I decided to take that and turn it into my entire life. You know, I got my education in agricultural fields. I'm continuing that. And then my PhD is of course going to be in ag ed, but my career is going to be a professor at a university. That's the end goal. So that I can continue working in the agricultural industry, continue doing research with all of that. So when I got involved in the Miss America system, I knew that I wanted to turn my social impact initiative into something agricultural related. And so for me, I'm traveling all over the state, talking to people about uh, where their food comes from, about supporting your local farmers and getting people to recognize how impactful the ag industry is on our daily lives. So you're into pageants, obviously. You're in Miss, Miss America most recently, like we just discussed. But was there a certain time in your life or an age in which you knew, I want to be in a pageant? I mean, does that happen for little girls all throughout West Virginia? Or was it just kind of spur of the moment thing for you? Well, you know, I'm sure that it does happen with people where they're like, they see uh, the woman on stage and she's talking about her life and talking about how the, or all the great things that she gets to do. And they look at that girl and think, wow, like, if she can do that, so can I. But for me, I started in the Miss America organization, not because it was a pageant. We actually don't consider what we do pageantry. We call it a scholarship organization. And I started in this because I knew that I was going to have 10 years of college and that was going to be expensive. And I wanted to do this, but I didn't want to rely on anybody else to pay for that for me. So I started getting involved in the Miss America system because it would help pay for college. The Miss America organization is actually the largest provider of scholarships for young women in America. And because of this, and because of my time in this organization, all 10 years of college are going to be completely debt-free and paid for. Awesome. So, well said. As a former athlete who got his education paid for for free, we oftentimes get our purpose reversed. So I'm so happy to hear you say that. You entered because you knew it was a, a gateway for you to get a free education. So that's awesome. So yeah, I was a student athlete too during my undergraduate years. I was a Division One athlete, but we always try to say student first. You are a student athlete. Absolutely. And we make sure that our grades are always phenomenal before we could do anything on the field. <laughs> that was an equestrian was that right? Yep. Yep. So I rode horses. A lot of people don't know that equestrian is a division one sport in the NCAA. You know, you mentioned your platform and that's really a primary reason of why we wanted to have you on the show. We, we just talked about our resolutions on the previous episode, uh, resolutions for the year. And, and one of those were to really live free for 2023 or really more importantly, more specifically, live Appalachian. To not to be ashamed to be from Appalachia, not to be ashamed of our accent, to promote it, to hype it, to gas it up as much as possible. So your platform is kind of like that. You, you went into this pageant knowing or understanding your heritage, understanding what you've been studying and not being uh, ashamed, not being shy about talking about it. I think it's incredible what you're doing in regards to a national platform, talking about agriculture, talking about farming, talking specifically about Appalachian agriculture. So I wanted to ask you about that platform and how important it is to you to be Appalachian and let people know. Well, if you if you ever listen to my introduction and Miss America on finals night, you'll notice that I say that I am West 
Virginia. I'm from West Virginia. Um, and I really try to emphasize that. But, you know, being a part of West Virginia has kind of just made me who I am. I feel like it's really made me a stronger individual. It's made me fight for a whole lot more and speak out and stand up for myself any chance that I can. But in regards to Appalachian agriculture, I love talking about this. So in West Virginia specifically, we are actually the only state that's fully encompassed in the Appalachian Mountains. Um, so we are living in a very mountainous region. And it kind of makes it a little bit more difficult to navigate the agricultural industry in the sense that we can't have these massive uh, agricultural uh, businesses. Like, you know, you go out west and you see these huge cattle farms and these huge wheat fields, and we don't have that ability. But what we do have is the ability to make things a little bit more diversified on our individual farms. So we do have a ton of small farms in the state of West Virginia. Actually, believe it or not, in our nation as a whole, 98% of farms in America are family farms. And that still rings true for the state of West Virginia. A, a large majority of our farms are family owned and they are small. They're small operations, but that allows them to become a little bit more diversified in what they are able to grow, what they're able to sell. Um, so in the state of West Virginia, our number one ag commodity is hay, followed by the poultry industry, which I worked in for two years and I absolutely loved it. And 2019 alone, fun fact, 75.5 million broilers were produced. And that's huge because that's more than more than the amount of people that we have in our state. So it's um it's pretty neat. And then following the poultry industry, we've got fruit production. So in the Eastern Panhandle where I live, the apple fields are huge. And it's a huge part of our ag industry and what we do. You know, we talk about Johnny Appleseed, but my my high school was the Musselman Appleman. So just being able to talk about the, all of this and get this information on a national platform has been a huge I guess, goal of mine and making that happen this past December was, I can't even describe it. I can't even describe how this has completely changed my life. And really, um, I've been able to shed light on our ag industry here in Appalachia and just get those voices out there, get those names out there as much as I can. It's It's been a great opportunity. That's incredible. That I'm in was the poultry job. industry myself. Yeah. What'd you get to do? <laughs> I have some chickens. And the uh, we often talk about them on our show. We joke about it, but I can't get them. They've quit laying eggs right now, and it's really it's really aggravating me. Are they the going through a molt period? I don't know what the deal is with the price of eggs going up. It's it's really killing my supply. But I would guess malnutrition. <laughs> Maybe I do have three boys, and they're supposed to take care of them. But you know who takes care of them? So, Dad always, yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, but they might be just be going through a molt period, especially with the darker evenings that we're having right now. You know, if you look up, you know, how to properly go through that nutrition plan for them when it comes to their molting period, that'll help out a lot. But once they get through that, then they're going to be able to start producing more. So they'll start back again. Yep. Okay. No stress. I wouldn't worry about it. Everybody's yeah. talking about the, the price of eggs, but they don't realize like the big picture behind it or why that's happening. So we like talking about avian influenza and, you know, what, how that affects the poultry industry. And that's why your price of chicken and your price of eggs right now is going through the roof. But it'll oh, it'll calm love, down. We love getting educated on this show. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Like we spoke before, one of the reasons we started this podcast was to dispel some of the misconceptions. But I think also when you alluded to earlier that people have misconceptions about pageants. I know you don't like to use that term, but 
while you've been in it, what are the, some of the, the biggest misconceptions that people have about pageants or just the pageant industry in general? There's so many, there's so <laughs> many. And it's really frustrating because the women in the pageant industry or who people who are part of the Miss America organization, we're focused on our education. We're focused on utilizing our voice to make change and being those catalysts for change in our state and in our nation. We're focused on our community service aspects and you know being that empowered young women for other women to look up to. So when we hear people say, oh, you know, you're just um, a stereotype or you're just doing this because you think you're pretty or you're not really that smart or how, how smart can you really be if you're doing the pageant stuff? That's so frustrating, you know, because that's not who we are. That's not what we're doing. That's not what we stand for. And you got the people who are saying that, you know, pageants objectify women. Okay, no, actually, you know, I'm more confident with who I am because I was part of the Miss America system. I'm able to talk to crowds of five and crowds of 5,000. I am able to talk about, you know, my opinion on politics and my opinion on who I am in the world and, you know, be that leader in my, my community. I don't think I would have been able to do that had I not been a part of the Miss America organization. It's really shaped me into who I am and really allowed me to blossom into the woman that I am. Um, but that's what they focus on. They're not trying to say, oh, well, this girl's prettier than this girl. So that's why she won. That's not it at all. Your interview is a huge part of your score. Your public speaking ability is a huge part of your score. It has nothing to do with what your dress looks like or how good your makeup is. Even on stage at Miss America this year, I got on stage in jeans and muff boots. And I thought, <laughs> nice. that, that's, that's who I am, though. Yeah. And I know that some young lady saw that and was like, wow, if she can do that, then why can't I do that? If she's comfortable with who she is, then why can't I be comfortable with who I am? Getting that opportunity to do that and show off that you don't have to be this perfect person to compete in these organizations. There's no mold. It's a huge part of our job. It's what we do every day. You know, you, you spoke about the public speaking part of it is is major uh, overall score. How, how nerve wracking is that? How much practice time do you have to put into that part of <laughs> the pageant? So I have been actually public speaking since I was about nine years old. My mom is my public speaking coach and she would actually take us, like my brother and I, she would take us into Walmart and be like, okay, that person over there, I want you to go over there and tell them why you're here today and what you're looking for and you know why you're going to get those items. At nine years old, that's a little scary. Such a good idea. Great mother right there. Yeah, I mean, it forced me to actually have those conversations with people. And I've been very introverted when it comes to speaking in groups of people as I as I grew up. But getting on a stage or having the ability to talk about it or talk through a speech, I can do that all day. And it's crazy. I mean, being a part of 4-H, being a part of FFA really just gave me those different opportunities to expand on that. And then I got involved in the Miss America system. So your ability to speak to people in social settings, your ability to speak to people on a stage or through Zoom, it's huge. You've got to really work on that every single day and put yourself in those uncomfortable positions to gain that confidence. If I, you know, never practiced and never got out there and did things like this, I would not be able to have the conversations with anyone. So it's it's a lot of work and it's hard. And you're right. At the very beginning, it is a little nerve wracking, but after a while, you start to realize, you know, nobody knows me better than I know me. Nobody knows this topic better than I do because I've worked so hard in it 
And I've done so much with it that I can talk about this all day long. And now with my job as Miss West Virginia, I get booked all the time for keynote speeches. I actually have one this week. I've got a conference that I'm going to in Georgia at the beginning of next week. And I go to North Carolina to be a keynote speaker next month. So it's it's all over the place. You're always speaking to people. So practice makes perfect. And sometimes it's not always pretty. And sometimes you sweat a little bit and that's okay. But you're, those are your growing opportunities. Those are your learning opportunities. It has definitely prepared you for Appalachian Meets World, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's why I did it. That's exactly why I did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would have I, I guessed that for sure, that all the preparation was for, for this show. You mentioned earlier that your goal with education is to someday be a college professor. Have you always known that, that you wanted to go in that direction? Or have, have you been influenced by your family from an educational standpoint? Will you be the first educator in your family? What kind of brought that on in your life? Well, originally, so I knew in high school that I wanted to be part of the ag industry. I wanted to help the ag industry in some way, but I'm also really good with science. I'm a scientist. I love research. I loved doing science fair when I was in high school, and I've just kind of carried that through my education. So originally, I actually wanted to be a vet. I wanted to go to vet school. And the more that I talked to vets, the more they said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm 60 years old and I'm still in debt because of my PhD or because of my DMV. And I was like, I can't afford that. That's, you know, you're putting in yourself, putting yourself at like, you know, $200,000 in debt just to go to vet school. And I'm the kind of person that buys cheap toilet paper because I, I hate spending, you know, I hate spending money. Everything that I do, I have that in the back of my head, you know, okay, like I like Cheez-Its, but these off-brand Cheez-Its are so much better. So I knew <laughs> that going and putting myself in $200,000 in debt just to get that degree wasn't the best choice for me. I, I just knew that once I got that degree, that's all I'd be thinking about every day. I wouldn't be focused on my job. I would be focused on being able to grow a family or get a home or whatever, because I'm worried about that debt. So I was like, okay, how do I still incorporate my love for science and my love for agriculture and my love for being on the farm? How do I incorporate that in my education? I got involved with a research lab at Delaware State University where I got my undergrad degree. And he was like, well, you know, if you go into the research route, and you still work in ag, you can still do all those things, but you can get your tuition paid for if you become a grad research assistant. So I was like, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> so, so I wound up becoming an undergraduate research assistant at DSU, and I got paid to do that. And then I became a graduate research assistant at West Virginia University, which helped pay for all of that. And when I decided that, okay, you know, I've got, I'm gonna get all of this education, get my PhD, what do I wanna do for a job? How am I going to turn this into a future career? I was like, well, I've got all these people that are around me that are constantly inspiring me, constantly, you know, getting the opportunity to do research for USDA or whatever company. And they're, they're loving what they do. And I love working with them. Why wouldn't I take that route? The goal is to get a position at a land grant university, which focuses primarily on agriculture and continue to do research, continue to inspire young minds. And I'll be the first educator in my family. And I'll be the first person to get a PhD in my family. It's pretty exciting. But regardless, if I don't get that job and I don't get to become a professor, I can still work for the USDA. I can still do work with the CDC. I can still do exactly what I want to do with the science and the agriculture and working on the farm. I can still make that happen. Well, if it helps any, Will and I are hopeful that that will be from the University of Kentucky, but I'm sure you'll have lots of opportunities out there. 
Currently, I am accepted to go to Texas Tech University in their One Health Sciences program. So that's the only One Health Sciences PhD program in the nation. And I'm what, what in my class, I was one of 13 people to get accepted. So it's, it's pretty cool. But if I can get into a school that's a little bit closer to West Virginia, I can keep my horse with me. I can you know bring my dog with me and then I won't have to worry about traveling all the way to Texas to make that happen. Plenty of stables to rent in, in Lexington. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Obviously you're 2022 Miss West Virginia, but when you went to the Miss America pageant, you know, we talk a lot about misconceptions on here, as I alluded to, and we, we spoke earlier that you don't really have an accent like me, like Neil and I. But when you went to the pageant, when you went to the Miss America pageant, do you think when people found out you were from Appalachia, when people found out you were from West Virginia, they treated you a little differently in the beginning? Or do you think those misconceptions exist in the Miss America pageant even? Well, so yes and no. So at no point did I feel from any of the other women that I competed with that they looked at me differently because of what state I was from. I mean, because we're from all over the nation. All of our states have those crazy stereotypes or the crazy misconceptions, if you think about it. So we didn't really judge each other on that. It was more people like to think that certain small states don't send candidates that can compete really well in Miss America. And that's not true. We always send candidates that are phenomenal. And it's just the the, the judges pick on that that year. It has nothing to do with who we send. It's just sometimes the judges prefer this kind of girl or this kind of, you know, social impact initiative. And that's not, you know, us. So I was actually the first candidate in, well, since 1965 to make it into the top five from West Virginia. Um, thank you. Thank you. It's it's really exciting. It's a great opportunity. But, you know, I guess some people don't really look at you know, small states as, you know, the, the girls that always win. So you're always hearing about Texas or California or Florida or South and North Carolina. They're always doing really well. It's the bigger states, the ones that have a little bit more of a population there. And then last year, Emma Broyles from Alaska won. She's, you know, one of the first people to win from a small state of Alaska. So it's, it's pretty cool. And it gave us small states a lot of hope. You know, I don't really see a lot of people treating me different like that. Again, we're all, we, okay, this is going to sound so cliche, but it's true. The sisterhood through the Miss America organization is a real thing. But now I've got sisters or friends all over the nation because we do really treat each other well. And you, you hear pageantry and you think, wow, they're going to be so mean to each other backstage. And that's not it. We're usually just kind of hanging out, having a good time. You know, you spoke about your social impact initiative. Growing up, growing ag advocacy for Appalachian agriculture, but I also wanted to ask you about your podcast, Farmers Fridays, your Farmers Fridays interviews. Just what exactly is that? How did you get started with that? And how are you going to keep, are you going to keep doing that in the future? Yeah. So um, that was actually a brainchild of the, the pandemic. We, you know, didn't have the opportunity like I wanted to, to get on the farms and, you know, go to talk to our farmers like I had been in the past because we weren't able to get close to each other. So I was like, how in the world am I going to get their stories out? Because we're told when we get a crown that our crowns are used as a microphone to amplify our voices. And I don't want that. I don't want people just to hear my voice all the time. That's going to be really irritating after a while, right? <laughs> but I wanted to use my microphone to amplify the voices of our agriculturists. I want their stories to be out there. I want to make sure that they're able to get their message out there before, you know, they hear my voice all the time. So in order to make that happen, I just started interviewing different agriculturists in the state of West Virginia. 
and different farmers, different businesses, different organizations, and I let them tell their story. So that started in 2020. I do it through Zoom. You can actually find those on YouTube and Spotify, as well as my Facebook, just to listen to those and, you know, get those different information and get that different re those different resources uh, from the people who are actually, they have their boots on the ground. Those are the people who are working every single day. So why shouldn't we listen to them to get that information? So you can watch those. But my Farmer Friday interviews have really just kind of allowed me to make different connections all over the state of West Virginia. So I go everywhere and I know somebody and I've interviewed them or I've got, you know, somebody from their organization that I've talked to. So it's, it's, it's a pretty cool opportunity, not just for me, but for consumers at home to get that that information right at their fingertips. I think that's awesome. As, as a as a child that grew up in Appalachia and has lived in Appalachia his whole time, when I was growing up, I could never imagine a farmer being able to Zoom and tell other people about their farm. I think that's one of the greatest things that came from the pandemic. And the other cool thing, too, is that, you know, I say all the time, um, and I learned this phrase through FFA, is that agriculture is so much more than cows, sows, and plows. There's so many different job opportunities in the agricultural industry that people can explore. So I have the agricultural scientists. I've got people that work in ag marketing. I'm working on trying to get an agricultural lawyer right now. Um, but there's so many different things that you know you can be involved in if you don't like working on a farm. There's so many different things through agriculture that you can explore if you choose to work in that industry. The, the Farmer Friday interviews really get that, that message out there too. You represent, obviously, West Virginia as Miss West Virginia, but with your platform, and we've kind of talked around this, you also represent Appalachia. How important is it for you to represent Appalachia as a region? Growing up, there were a lot of the negative stereotypes around people who live in Appalachia or the different crazy stories that people would tell. And in the media, you see that negative stereotype always being portrayed. And that was sad because you're like, well, you know, growing up, I was like, I, but I live there. And, you know, that's not true. I don't I don't see that everywhere that I go. So having somebody who is in this position that can represent this region, it's just showing other young women like me that stereotype doesn't exist or you have the ability to break those stereotypes and grow out of that mold to make something happen and make your dreams come true, essentially. You know, just because you live in a certain region and people have this perception of what it is doesn't mean that you have to follow that perception. One of the things we always ask our guests on here, and I, I just want to know off the top of your head, since we're talking about that that word anyway, not a better time than now to ask, but what, what's the first thing that comes to your mind or rolls off the tongue when you hear the word Appalachia? Unfortunately, I really think that stereotypes ingrained in all of our heads that we're not educated. And that's really frustrating because we are, you know, that has nothing to do with us. That shouldn't, you know, that word should not be put on or next to us because that's not who we are. Um, so that's really frustrating. But I, that's the first word that comes to my head. But the next one is always kindness. I know that sounds so silly and very cliche, but I feel like the people in Appalachia are always so willing to be that kind person when you need them, be the shoulder to cry on, be the person to lend you the shirt off your back should you need it. And I wish that word would follow Appalachia instead of the stereotypes that are out there. Well said. And, and one other question we always ask all our guests, we, we ground this podcast really on place and perspective. Place is really, really important to Appalachia. It's almost a character in and of itself. So we wanted to ask you just where do you call home? What makes it home for you? What makes it unique? 
Oh, so I currently live in Martinsburg, West Virginia, and it's a booming town. And that's where I call home. But the cool thing about Martinsburg is that it's so diverse with its people, with its uh, views. And it's just, it's a phenomenal little town to call home. I've got my horses right down the road that I get to ride every day. But I also get to go in and, you know, go see the cute little shops in downtown Martinsburg where there's awesome boutiques, but I'm also, you know, 30 minutes away from, from Winchester and 30 minutes away from Hagerstown. So I've got the ability to travel all over the place and just, you know, bring all of that into the Eastern Panhandle. It's, it's home and it's comfortable. And again, the people in Martinsburg are phenomenal to work with. They're phenomenal to be around. And it is a, it's, it's a huge community. We're always about making sure that we can help each other and help each other grow. Being from West Virginia, I got to ask you, Biscuit World or Cracker Barrel? Oh, no. So don't make me pick. Gosh, I think I would have to pick Tudor's Biscuit World. You know, that is very a West Virginia thing. And I don't think you get a better biscuit anywhere except for your grandmother's kitchen. So I, I would have to say Biscuit World. Yeah, I don't think there's a wrong answer there. <laughs> I think it's a win-win. What's your favorite thing to do in West Virginia? You know, I love being outside. I've always enjoyed getting outside and getting in the outdoors. And I love talking about how beautiful West Virginia is. The hiking trails here are insane and the views are even better. My best friend and I, he took me to Wardensville, West Virginia, and he took me on this hiking trail and it was an overnight hike. And he showed me this view, like we actually hiked six miles straight up and got to this cliff face and got to see the sunrise over a valley in West Virginia. And it was stunning. So I love being able to get outside, see those West Virginia views, just go hiking. I love to go run. I like fishing. I like riding my horse, you know, it just being in the outdoors, being in the West Virginia air has always been, you know, something that I've done since I was a young, young girl. West by God. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) You have this national platform. A lot of people are just finding out about you, learning a lot about you. Is there one thing you would like to let our listeners know about you that they may not know? Ooh, I feel like my life is very much out there on social media right now as a title <laughs> holder. I don't really hold anything back. My love for agriculture has always extended so much farther than the Miss America organization. It's who I am. It's who I was when I was five years old. It's who I'm going to be when I'm 75 years old. You know, I love working with our farmers. I love being able to tell their stories. If somebody who's listening to this wants to tell their story, get in contact with me. I'd love to talk to you about it. Um, just like you guys are doing with sharing my story, please let me do that for you. I am somebody who's always very passionate about my state and my home, but I guess you could get that from this, this podcast too. Again, I'm, I'm an open book. People are able to ask me anything. Again, my life is out there for everyone to see. Um, Mountaineers or Hokies? Oh, Mountaineers. Well, that's not even a question. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. Uh, um, I spent two years at WVU. I mean, I'm I'm Mountaineer since birth, but being able to be in that environment and, you know, be a part of the West Virginia University community, that was huge. So, of course, Mountaineers. Well, to that point, I got to ask you a really important question. Have you ever burned a couch? No. No, absolutely not. Disappointment. Um, so I, I wonder if this still this rule is still in effect right now. I want to say that in the city of Morgantown, you're not allowed to have patio furniture on game day. <laughs> you move that from your your patio before you know the game goes. The good rule. Uh, yeah, you know, just in case, just in case. But I have never done that. No. Do you have to eat a pepperoni roll weekly? 
Oh, that's daily. That's oh. not. <laughs> okay. It's so funny. So I moved to Delaware for my undergraduate degree and my roommate at the time, she was from New Mexico. So one day I was like, okay, like I'm going to make lunch for everyone. She's like, okay, that's awesome. And I made pepperoni rolls and she looked at me like I was crazy. Like, what is a pepperoni roll? <laughs> oh, like that's, I just, I have to remind myself that not everyone's from West Virginia and not everybody knows what that is. Um, but of course she ate it and loved it. Do you have a favorite spot to get a pepperoni roll? okay my grandmother's kitchen I can't she's phenomenal at what she does she's an amazing baker an amazing cook and she's passed down all of her recipes to me I so I can't really pick a certain store a certain place because she's she's the best baker there Neil likes to frequent the gas stations for pepperoni rolls and I get that I mean she's (laughs) always stocks pepperoni rolls so you can't go wrong with the sheets pepperoni roll thank you so much for for taking the time for sharing your platform for representing Appalachia You know, this show, like I said, we try to dispel the misconceptions, but it's really about promoting the region, letting people know about the region, letting people know about the great diversity within the region. So we appreciate what you're doing. We congratulate you for your accolades, but also just for being you, for being Appalachian. Thank you very much. And thank you for letting me share my story here. Again, my story is out there for anybody to see, but I love talking about it. But thank you so much for allowing me this opportunity to not only talk about West Virginia, but Appalachia as a whole and how amazing it is. Well, congratulations to you and Will and I uh, look forward to seeing the the next 10 years uh, in, in your life and what all you'll accomplish. So we're, 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 we know it'll be great. And uh, again, I'm still hopeful that you'll spend some time at the University of Kentucky. (laughs) We'll see. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But thank you guys very much. Neil, what a refreshing take on the stereotypical pageant person. She educated us a little bit on not using the word, how they don't use the word pageants. And she's been a five-year member of the organization. And she used, like she mentioned, all her scholarship money to earn degrees at Delaware State and West Virginia University. I thought it was awesome to hear all that. Yeah, great representative for the uh, Miss America organization. Kudos to her for using her platform for what she uses it for and also to further uh, increase her education. Super smart young lady. Looking forward to to the big things that are in store for uh, Miss Lynch. Just like we talked about living free, she's living Appalachian and utilized her platform on that national stage to be a voice for Appalachian agriculture. How cool is that? Yeah, really cool, Will. Really cool. Such a proud Appalachian. And, you know, she's she's doing things in Appalachia that most never thought were possible. Great conversation. And it's great for girls, little girls throughout the region or little boys throughout the region to see her, to see what she's doing, to see how she's advocating for the region and how it's just as important as other advocacy platforms uh, in the competition. Yep. She followed that dream. And, uh, you know, lots of people give up on dreams and uh, she found ways to ignite her dream. So awesome. Yeah. If you want to find out more, check out her Farmers Fridays on YouTube where she interviews people from the agricultural space every I think it's every week, as she mentioned in the episode. But it's really cool. We'll put that link in the show notes as well. You know, when you and I think of 
I know when we think of pageants, we unfortunately have that stereotype. And she is just breaking that mold, the way she talked about it, the way she saw it as an opportunity to advance her education. Tremendous respect for what she's doing, for the path that she's taking, and for her advocacy. You know, we talk about all the time trying to gas up Appalachia. Well, she's even taking it a step farther to uh, present it on a national stage for all to hear. Absolutely. Will, do you have an app biz of the week for us to highlight? I was going to turn that back over to you and maybe to see if you had a, an app biz in maybe the agricultural space. Just in in respect to, to what Elizabeth discussed, there's all kinds of great farmers markets in West Virginia. Talk about farm to table type of representation all throughout Appalachia going on. There's a great push in West Virginia for farmers markets and there's some really great ones all throughout all parts of West Virginia. Yeah, I think West Virginia really plays into that agritourism. There's so many off the beaten path farms uh, so many incredible agritourism opportunities. You know, take a take a weekend trip, make a summer vacation out of it. Lots of great opportunities in West Virginia. Give a shout out, Will, to Red Hawk Rise Organics in the eastern panhandle of West Virginia, close to where Elizabeth is from. But, you know, it's a relatively small operation, but uh, was founded in 2017 by Katie Brownwell and Mike Herbst. Uh, they're doing great things over there with uh, vegetables. Yeah, and I also wanted to give a shout out to a nearby farm and edu- edu- actually education incubator program, the Sprouting Farms in Talcott, West Virginia. While they do have a farm, they're more than just a farm. They, they're a group of farmers, educators, and advocates and entrepreneurs who are in the business of growing farms as well as increasing food access and feeding people good food. They have their own education program, their own incubator program, and what they really want to do, they want to build the farming community in West Virginia and, and nourish the residents there with food grown from the land they live on and for the entire region to to thrive. So it's more of an equitable approach to the food system. And I want to give them, definitely give Sprouting Farms a shout out and make those two, the Red Hawk Farm and the Sprouting Farms at Business of the Week. Excellent episode, excellent guest. So I think we can end it like we usually do. Till next time. Peace. getting lighter, the air's getting thin, now I'm facing down with a grin. I've been in the city too long, sidewalks and buildings and singing sad songs, now I'm back up where I belong, in the mountains.